This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on iTunes and at Facebook.com slash DCAU Review. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 17 of the DCAU Review. I am your host, Hal, alongside me, my co-host, brother, good friend, and our guru of Twitter. That's your new nickname, Liam, the, tw- the Twitter guru. guru. All right. The Twitter guru, my good friend and brother, Liam. Liam, welcome to episode 17 of the DCAU Review. Well, I'm excited to be here. We've uh, got another one of our special Superman Spotlight episodes. We picked another villain. We've been kind of going with broader themes and just some fun episodes we liked in in certain weeks and some we didn't like so much (laughs) uh, in other weeks. But here we've got another villain spotlight. This time we're focusing on Brainiac. Yeah, Brainiac is an interesting, uh, certainly an interesting character, an interesting villain in Superman lore. Uh, different interpretations of him, of course, throughout, as most of the characters have gone through a sort yeah. of evolution of interpretation. Um, the We talked and touched briefly, uh, because he is featured a little bit in Last Son of Krypton, about Brainiac's importance. And uh, I, I was kind of shocked to realize how little he's actually featured on this show there's the two episodes that we're going to cover today the first one which is stolen memories which is uh, technically the second episode featuring brainiac since he was featured in the premiere but uh it's his first full appearance uh, on earth his first appearance in the form that we see him throughout the series uh and then the second episode uh, his second appearance on the show is ghost in the machine and then as far as we know he's not seen again until the was it nighttime episode yes, uh which is the batman superman crossover where it's really more of a superman robin crossover honestly batman. right absolutely uh, bruce is t- taken over sort of by what are they, is it nanites and yes. are, are in his in- phone and uh, Superman dresses up like Batman. It's a fun episode. We're definitely going to do an episode about that. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. We're excited to cover that one in, in the not too distant future. Um, but he's, you know, I thought I would think he had been featured more on this series, but he's really just kind of a, a bit player. And these are the two episodes that really heavily feature him. Yeah, we mentioned that a little bit when, when we've been covering Dark Side and how some of maybe his the ultimate payoff isn't really until you get into Justice League or, or Justice League Unlimited, certainly. Uh, and to an extent, that's maybe also true with with Brainiac. And do you uh, think that's um, do you think that's a detriment to the Superman series as a whole? I, I mean, we didn't really we didn't really get a chance to talk about that. But thinking of that, it's there's a lot of episodes that are sort of spent, and it's. You know, you're going to compare this to the other series, but there's a lot of episodes of Superman that are sort of just spent seemingly twiddling your thumbs. You're dealing with these like lower level, lower tier supervillains that either are one shots or guys like Lightner or that are in multiple episodes, but you don't really ever consider to be a real threat. So Meanwhile, you have Darkseid and, and Brainiac who are featured or featured on the series, but aren't aren't really featured as much as you would think. That's a fair point. I, I mean, I guess the counter-argument is that 
you know, they appear a little less often and that could theoretically make them more special. I think that works in the case of Darkseid for the most part because pretty much every time he's on screen, it's memorable and uh, important and sort of a life-changing moment for Superman Every almost every time he has to interact with, uh, with Darkseid. But, uh, and we'll get to that, we can get right into the plot of Stolen Memories here, our first episode we're reviewing. Uh, his life is changed a little bit through this meeting with Brainiac, but you're correct that in subsequent meetings, he's just kind of another villain of the week. And if you didn't have that, a deeper knowledge of Superman, of the comics, and, uh, really until you get into Justice League Unlimited, he's just kind of, he's kind of on, like, a slightly above, like, a parasite level guy. Like, just kind of a guy who shows up to cause trouble. Right. Um, who just happens to be, you know, part Kryptonian. Right. what is the episode where he takes the brain chip out of Brainiac and ends up putting it in the orb that he discovers? Because there is another episode. I'm thinking we're missing. Because, you know, he puts Brainiac's intelligence into the orb eventually. Yes. And I don't remember what episode that is. I think that's actually he combines his, like, the message he received from his parents and the orb together. And that creates just, like, a database. I feel like there was a scene, though, where I see him putting, like, inserting Brainiac's consciousness into because Brainiac talks to him through it yes. remember he, he talks yeah, I think to Brainiac what, I think that might be in the, the Jaxer and Mala episode okay because uh, I think he goes to ask about who these people were when he wants to let them out when he's not sure if he should let them out of the Phantom Zone or not okay um, yeah, I just I know there's there's something there that I'm, I feel like I'm missing one episode of him or something anyway but con- continue what yeah. did you think about the plot for um for for stolen memories, which is our first kind of introduction here? Which basic plot: spaceship arrives on Earth. Luther is the first one to meet him. Naturally, naturally, he's going to take advantage. He, he says as much to the U.S. government that he's going to reap the benefits of this uh, alien come to visit and sharing his technology. And uh, Brainiac presents himself as somebody who's there uh, to seek knowledge, and in exchange for whatever knowledge he can get, he's willing to share what he's already learned from across the galaxy with Luthor and Earth itself. Yeah, it's really, I mean, it's it's interesting. We talked about this off the air. We as an audience know, because we watched The Last Son of Krypton, that Brainiac is not a good guy, and that we kind of know what his shtick is, that he only values knowledge, and he has a line in this episode where he says, you know, the less people who share that knowledge, the more precious that knowledge is. Right. Which is why he must destroy, the, why he's not just a collector, why he also destroys the worlds when he's done with them. Because it makes the, you know, the thing he values most even more valuable. So I like that as a motivation, a little bit of an explanation as to why he doesn't just do it because he's evil <laughs> or because he's a, a non-feeling robot. There's actually some sort of logic to what he does. Mm-hmm. Um and Superman, it's funny, at the start of the episode, he's just flying around in his spaceship, and he and uh, he's talking to Professor Hamilton about how he's trying to explore and explore different uh, galaxies, and he's talking about like going through hyperspace. So there's this idea already that Superman's sort of becoming more curious, more interested in you know alien worlds and, and, and different galaxies than, than what he's uh, uh, known growing up on a farm in Kansas. Right. So he's... That curiosity, and especially once he figures out that Brainiac has knowledge of Krypton, it's very enticing for him as someone who doesn't have the connection to his home world. I'm sure anybody who's adopted can probably, you know, has that sort of feeling of, you know, wondering, you know, where do I come from? What were the people in my area or my neighborhood like? And so being t- blowing that up to a Superman level of, you know, not knowing anyone from his planet... 
Right. Um, I thought that worked, and eventually, of course, it's revealed what Brainiac's true uh, true uh, motivations are, and they have a fight, and that's so that kind of wraps up. Plot. I would give plot seven out of ten. Like I said, I I really liked that they went a little bit of the extra mile to exactly explain not only why Brainiac values knowledge, but why he feels he has to destroy worlds after he's collected that knowledge. Sure. I thought that was a nice touch, and I liked I liked seeing Superman and Lex's different motivations for why they were maybe a bit naive to trust. Mm-hmm. You know, Lex in this in the search of profit, he talks about perhaps there are cures for cancer he can show us, and sort of the, Lex sees dollar signs with this guy, right. whereas Superman in a quest to feel closer to his home or to just gain more knowledge about. The universe, the universe right. is willing to once kind of sit under the learning tree. Right. So I thought overall, really good job. I went seven out of ten. What about you? Uh, I, my score is identical. I went. Uh, imagine that. <laughs> uh, I uh, I also went seven out of ten. I think uh, you make some some certainly valid points there, and I think taking a character, um, obviously, like you said, that us as the viewer was well aware that Brainiac was was not a good person. <laughs> that he was a baddie, um, that he was there certainly for ulterior motives, but being able to still uh, allow us to be, to understand Superman's um, feeling of loneliness and feeling as an outsider and, and just like doing whatever he can to try and learn more about his home and um, still having to choose to, like, he he recognizes that Brainiac is a part of of his home. I don't think he finds out that you know that Jor-El was one of the people that developed or created or whatever we discovered in Last Son of Krypton. But um, it's interesting that he was still he still puts the good of Earth and mankind and all of that ahead of his quest for more knowledge or being closer to, as you said, closer to his own home. Um, so that that that's effective. I think it also this is early. I mean, we've been jumping around a lot through Superman, but this is still early on in the tenure of the of the series. So you're still getting to learn Lex and and who he is, and we'll see later in our second episode how this thread continues of his you know his greed and his his quest, seemingly unquenchable thirst for power and and status, uh, always goes seemingly ahead of. The good of Earth, or absolutely. What, what makes sense? Uh, so being able to do that in an effective way, and and I think the the action at the end and the the excitement of well, we know that the missiles aren't going to kill Superman, but you know, is all the knowledge of all of these planets are they all going to be destroyed? In you know, in in tragedy, you know, it's it's sad. I, th- I always thought about it, even like the first viewing. This is like, man, it sucks that all the memories of all those other planets are just yeah. wiped out forever. Not that there's anybody from those planets that needs to know them or needs needs to necessarily remember. But you could see even when Superman touches each of the other orbs and watches the devastation and the destruction, he's he's affected by that. And it, that scene where he t- goes and touches each of the memory orbs that, that Brainiac has there for each of the planets is such a great scene because it shows his emotion, how he's in touch with and cares about these are these are beings and alien races that he's never met before, and uh, they do a good job of kind of going back to this after the Lobo episode, which we haven't covered yet. But when he takes in his creatures for the yes. for the Fortress of Solitude, but he he cares about. Every living thing, and the yeah. fact that he witnesses the, this destruction uh, through these orbs, through these memory th- memories that Brainiac has, 
and it and it affects him greatly. These are people or, or races that he never met. And that's the, cool. And the way that Brainiac destroyed them, or the reasons for right, where Superman, as you were mentioning, is such a hyper emotional character, and mm-hmm. he the feelings of empathy and 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 wanting to be you know do good for your fellow man contrasted with this cold heartless literally yeah. uh you know robot who only values knowledge and wants to make make sure he's the only one who has that knowledge is uh it really works as like you can see superman kind of getting angrier and angrier and brainiac's expression never changes cuz um, he's a robot right so that's so the cold lifelessness of of the robot uh, versus the you know the all feeling you know, every man hero, I think works really well there. I agree. All right, let's move on to music. Uh, so music for this episode. Um, so we discuss uh, and we can. I mean, it kind of goes for both episodes. But Brainiac doesn't really have a theme. It's more of like this weird. I don't know, bizarre spring sound effect <laughs> that's sort of distorted. It's I guess it's a it's supposed to give you an uneasy feeling. Yeah, it reminded me of uh the six million dollar man. I I don't know for yeah. sure that's what they were referencing, but I wouldn't be surprised. Sure. Um It's uh, yeah, it's, it's like that if that it put in a in a minor key or mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or something. It's very very bizarre. It gives you that like, oh, this is a robotic alien type feeling, mm-hmm. but it's not a theme so much as it is just sounds yeah when he appears for the first time you you hear that that noise right um so yeah there's not a ton of great or memorable music from this episode but as you mentioned the sequence where he's touching the different orbs and seeing the different worlds destroyed there is some pretty a few nice musical cues there um but i yeah i went ahead and gave music five out of ten not a lot to say beyond that one or two memorable scenes but Nothing, nothing great to write home about either. Yeah, I gave it. I also gave it five out of ten. Um, yeah, it's, it's. Uh, actually, did I? No, I gave it four out of ten. I gave it four out of ten. Um, so four out of ten for for the music, just because. It, yeah, I felt like it really wasn't memorable. Um, I really didn't think that there was much to it. And like I said, it, it's hard when you're comparing this to the old, the the Batman series, the original Batman animated series. When the villain themes are so iconic, yeah, and you have a little bit of that. Luther has his own theme. We talked about that. We talked about, uh, you know, Metallo's theme. Those are those are much more memorable. This is just kind of like eh, afterthought. We didn't spend too much time on it, and some of it maybe because he's not featured heavily throughout the series, whereas a Metallo is in five episodes or six episodes luthor is in countless episodes if not almost every episode um so you have brainiac who's just kind of there (laughs) (laughs) like his music so four out of ten uh visuals and animation let's go there i scored this uh pretty high i think there's um there's some great usage of uh various different things that uh that the animation and, and visuals. I, I like the desert scene. We talk about. We're not sure if this is the same desert that takes place in the Forgotten. Uh, <laughs> it def- definitely could be. Yeah. There's just giant deserts outside of all major cities in this universe. <laughs> That's where where Brainiac's ship is. Uh, but you get some cool uh, missile launches, and you get to see some inside of LexCore, and uh, you know you get uh, you get some of the inside of of Brainiac's ship. Uh, the vi- real visual standout to me, though, in animation is the, in the final scene where Brainiac is trying to download it or steal the information from 
Lex, uh, Lex core and, uh, you know, he's in the computers and he's, he's kind of extended his fingers into cables and he's plugged into different parts of his ship and he's yeah. fighting Superman at the same time and his face is like off of his body. It's, it's really bizarre stuff. Very and, anime. Yeah, very, very anime, but it works. It works really well. And he, like, he has to pull his tentacles out of the wall <laughs> while he's fighting Superman or Superman pulls his tentacles out of the wall and then... You know, he extends them again. It's it's cool. It's a cool visual. It's something that's not easy, easily animated. And I know there's another section I'll let you talk about as far as the orb section. Um, there's a really good scene uh, that you, you you remarked right when we were watching it that was pretty awesome. Yeah, there's a as as you're, he's grabbing the different orbs and seeing these worlds destroyed. There's one shot where he grabs one of the orbs and he's standing on like just like a a, a small mass of land. And they do a, a complete 360 of him, and he's just watching the destruction of this world around him as the earth around him begins to fall. You know, not not all that different than what we saw when Krypton exploded. Um, and, he's, really cool. and he's holding the orb in his hand, so it, you know it's still his suit is still brighter because the orb of the light the orb is giving off as he's just watching. And how about yeah, that hashtag cape movement? A lot of great cape movement here. Yeah. Um, making up for Brave New Metropolis's complete <laughs> lack of cape movement. Yeah, um, so I gave I gave visuals 8 out of 10. How about you? Uh, I went 6 out of 10. I think that scene in particular is really strong, and I like what you mentioned about Brainiac at the end. Mm-hmm. But to me, there are the that one shot of him, the 360 shot, is really the only one that stuck out to me as something I would remember. Sure. Uh, you know, that, I, that will stick with me past this episode. Absolutely. All right, wrapping it up here, we got our voice acting. Uh, Liam, tell us about our players, if you will. Uh, anybody important? Well, yeah, this is uh, Corey Burton as uh, as Brainiac, of course. Yep. Um, does a tremendous job. Another one of those, I think, if you read a comic with Brainiac in it, you Definitely. probably hear Corey Burton's voice in your head. It's if you, jarring if you when I don't up, hear him. <laughs> if you grew up watching this show, especially. Um so he does a tremendous job. Uh, Lex uh, Clancy Brown, of course, is Lex is, uh, is always very good. Yep. Uh, not big roles for for Dana Delaney or any or David Kaufman as as Jimmy Olsen either. They're kind of in the background as well as Mercy, who we'll get to in uh, in uh, our next episode that we're going to be talking about. But uh, yeah, I want to. I gave voice acting six out of ten. I think Tim Daly again because we're jumping around. This, we're back to kind of near the beginning. Mm-hmm. So Tim Daly may be still finding his feet as Superman. Certainly not his strongest performance, but Corey Burton's very good, and of course Clancy Brown is always very good. Yeah, I, I gave it uh, my myself. I gave it seven out of ten. Um, I think uh, Corey Burton is phenomenal. He brings the cold lifelessness to life, pun intended. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Brainiac, Clancy Brown is is really good in this episode. Um, especially like he's spot on for we talk a little bit about Tim Daly finding his feet uh, in the, his role, but in this we see, I mean, Clancy Brown from day one is, is, you know, boots on the ground, ready to go. Um, yeah. and I think that, uh, I think beyond that, there wasn't a whole, whole lot asked of Tim Daly in this. I think that emotional scene where he comes to realize that Brainiac is, is the one who's responsible for the destruction, not only of Krypton, but all of these other planets. Uh, he does a good job of showing a range of emotion there. So I gave it, I gave it seven out of 10. So my final score for that episode, no bonus points on my end, would be 26 out of 40. Yeah, and I'm uh, pretty close there. Shocker. Shocker. Uh, 24 out of 40. Okay. Uh, enjoyable episode, but maybe not enough that was like super memorable. There's 
compared to some of these other episodes we've talked about, which have you know multiple iconic moments or memorable voice performances. Would you watch this over Brave New Metropolis? Yeah. Okay. There aren't but... very many that I wouldn't <laughs> at this point. But... Yeah, I, I think of the episodes that we've done that aren't Apocalypse Now or uh, Late Mr. Kent, this is, it's good. It's good, especially when you consider that it's very early on True. In, the, in the series, and this wasn't one that was super played to death uh, from my recollection, so not sour in, in, in my mouth at all. Um, all right, let's move on to our se- our second episode, which is Ghost in the Machine, which, uh, as we mentioned, uh, Brainiac does make cameo appearances. You are right, I think, in that Jackson Ramallah episode when he hooks up his little – the box that was shipped with him in his in – his, uh, his rocket ship with the orb, the orb somehow gets Brainiac uh, available for him to talk through it. So it's it's uh, he does make a cameo appearance here or there at, in the form of Brainiac uh, at the Fortress of Solitude, but like he, a benevolent, purely informational Brainiac. Right, he's not the evil the evil source that he is in this. So his next next actual appearance uh, as Brainiac comes out in this episode, Ghost in the Machine, which is ties directly to this episode uh, this episode leaves off with uh, the last episode Soul Memories there's a little cliffhanger scene sort of at the end where they're showing computers that have uh, Kryptonian language in them and the, the logo of Brainiac is all over the computer Luther says something about not worrying about it right now or he'll have other people look at it later yeah uh, of course, that leads uh, to this episode where Brainiac has been implanted in Luthor's computer for several months at least. Uh, we'll have to check with the DC EU <laughs> timeline guys to figure out how long it was, See? if they can figure that out. Yeah, Matt needs to get on that. Hey, let, let hey, us know. Yeah, can you let us know how long that time period was? Because we're too lazy to do the <laughs> research ourselves, and we know that you love that stuff. Um, so some period of time later, uh, Brainiac has been lying, uh, I guess, sentient in, in Luther's computers and uh, decides that uh, he's going to mess with Luther just as he's about to make this presentation to the government in order to, quote, get his attention uh, <laughs> so that he can come down to the research and development basement and help make this robot body for Brainiac. Yeah. So let's jump into plot here. My biggest issue with this is, and we talked about it right before we went on, was I don't understand why Brainiac needs a robot body if he is <laughs> if he's AI. He doesn't need a body to move around because he's in Lex's computer system. Perhaps there's firewalls or something that are blocking him from escaping into the internet. I don't know. <laughs> but you would think that... What we, your suggestion was that he probably should have been making himself a ship, right? If, right. If his diabolical plan is to destroy Earth. Yeah. So it, it it wasn't exactly made clear why he needed the body first instead of, as you mentioned, prioritizing just getting out of LexCorp's computers. Or if the idea was like, oh, well, Lex's computers are offline or something. Like, couldn't he have just gotten a modem or something? Right, right, <laughs> like, right. Find some way to to escape. Like that should have been his priority. Like, hey Lex, turn off the firewalls. That's what I'm going to make you do. Not right. Make not make you build me a body. But I think some of it also leads to maybe some humiliation, knowing that he was uh, he was defeated at the hands of Lex's missiles, and yeah. Lex sort of double crossed him to a point uh, after 
it was a double double cross because Brainiac tries to steal, uh, get in and infiltrate through Lex's computers. Yes. So maybe some of it was a humiliation aspect, and he wanted Lex to have to come and do the work for him. But as far as making sense as to why Brainiac needed a robot body, I'm still confused. Um, because of that, and because there's not there's not a ton of action that happens in the episode, there's a little bit of introduction and, and trying to flesh out Mercy Graves' character a little bit, uh, but I don't know that they do that well enough to really... They make her a bit of a sympathetic character, but at the end, they kind of reverse all of that goodwill. It's sort of a, a Harley-Joker dynamic, not quite as abusive sure. as that one is, is portrayed in most, certainly not in you know something like Mad Love or anything like that. Right. It's not even really you know directly implied that it's a romantic thing, but that Mercy, and Mercy discusses with Superman that she was living on the streets or whatever, and, and Lex kind of took her out of poverty, and she rose through the ranks and became his personal bodyguard, and she has this deep-seated loyalty to him because of that. And even at the end, when Lex and her are trying to escape, and she gets... something falls on her, and he just leaves her to die, and Superman has to save her, she still goes right back to him at the end. Yeah. Uh, like, that's... there's something there, and certainly that's explored very deeply in, in, in a Harley-Joker scenario. That's a pretty recurring theme. Whereas here, it's just sort of this one episode, and then it's not really ever followed up on. We get a little bit more of their relationship in, in, in Justice League, but again, it's still pretty minor. Yeah. Um, so, th- so yeah, there's, there's some, again, some interesting themes touched on here, but they aren't really delved into too deep. You, me- you mentioned off the air, I think, that the idea just that Lex, who is usually the guy who has everybody, including other supervillains, work for him is now being forced to work for another supervillain. Like there's yeah, there's, there's some interest there's some interest in that. The I complete just, removal of his power sure. um is is interesting. And to um, see it uh, honestly it fleshes out that character showing that he's not just the idea guy. He he I mean he's a brilliant guy. Oh, yes. Like he's the person that's building this robot body and you know it that's interesting I guess in and of itself. But I just think that they don't do enough to flesh this out to make it super interesting. So I gave it I gave it five out of ten. Yeah, I went six out of ten if I didn't mention. Um, yeah, again, I think it's above average, but not not near the top tier as far as plots go. I agree. All right, let's move on to music. Uh, music in this episode, um, I felt just kind of middle of the road. It's there. It's there for some of the battle scenes. It's there for. Um, but I think going back to the fact that there's not a strong uh, villainous theme for Brainiac just kind of leaves it as background music. Like it just kind of it's soundtrack. It's there, mm-hmm. but it doesn't it doesn't add it doesn't take away from the episode. So it's just kind of there. So that's why I put five out of ten. How about you? Yeah, same for me. The only thing I think worth mentioning is there is a cool when it's first revealed that Brainiac is the one who's kidnapped Lex. You have that sort of underlying Lex theme that we've heard in other episodes that's sort of also punctuated by that Brainiac sound effect that we mentioned. Mm-hmm. So that, that the kind of themes laying on top of each other, I thought that was a cool moment. But yeah, overall, it, it pretty much just fades in the background. Absolutely. Back to plot for a second before I forget. There's <laughs> one thing that... One thing that I thought that they could have done, because we, we as the viewer already know where Lex is, they could have created some sort of intrigue or some sort of um, 
you know, they could have left us in the dark to know where Lex was, a little bit of mystery, but there's there's almost no mystery to what's going to happen. There's no threat that if he does, other than when he starts to fall asleep in the one scene and Brainiac threatens to shock him if he doesn't continue to keep going. Yeah. There's no threat, like, if he doesn't complete this robot by a certain time that he's going to die. There's There's no sort of tension at all in that. It's just, well... There, there's a camera showing exactly where he is. They just need to go down to the basement to find him. So that, that's why I thought that, that this episode could have been better, but they, they sort of even – they didn't do enough for with that. Yeah, that's fair. You're sort of watching uh, Superman as Clark Kent kind of investigate the mystery and, and he's investigating this weapons malfunction and then – realizes Luthor isn't there and is sort of without exposing his identity is trying to, you know, force Mercy to start looking into it as well. Right. Uh, so like that that works pretty well and there's the scenes of Brainiac uh, you know, shoots a, a missile at Clark Kent's apartment. Man, people are, like blowing up Clark's house. Yeah, let's jump into visuals here while we're while we're doing that. That so that that scene of of where he shoots the missile into uh, you know, he gets a phone call and it's pretty cool. Is this Clark Kent? This is <laughs> So Brain they don't let on Brainiac I don't think knows that Clark Kent is Superman. He just has seen him at the office and knows that he knows that Lex Luthor isn't in his office anymore. Yes. So obviously if he knew that Clark Kent was Superman, he wouldn't have shot a missile at him. Probably not. Um, so his whole point of shooting this missile at him is to kill Clark Kent. Of course, he doesn't realize Clark Kent's Superman. The missile shows up in Clark's uh, in Clark's apartment. He catches it with one hand, which is really cool. He yeah. d- does a little Odell Beckham Jr. catch with it <laughs> and just kind of holds it there. And then I'm like, doesn't he realize it's a missile? Why is he holding it for so long? And then it starts to beep like it's going to explode. Like, yeah, just because you caught it and the propulsion system isn't working doesn't mean it's not going to explode. But yeah, that, I thought that was a cool visual. Yeah, that's cool. And he flies the missile out into the city in, still in full Clark garb. And mm-hmm. then ex- he, there's an explosion and the Superman suit is revealed there. Uh, yeah, that was, that was a cool moment. And uh, Other than that, though, I felt like because so much of the episode is Lex working on a robot yeah. body and them, where's Lex? Where's Lex? Where's Lex? There wasn't really much of an opportunity. Superman sort of battles a claw-type yeah. robot. And some he fights with some drone robots that are sort of attacking Mercy. But yeah. there's not a lot of interesting combat or fighting going on here. No, not at all. I mean, there's some minor things like Lex, because he's been working without sleep or food or whatever, he's disheveled, his, you know, his collar's messed up, and he's got a little bit of a beard starting to form, and he's got dark circles under his eyes. So, like, they do, uh, do a pretty good job of communicating, you know, Lex's exhaustion. But, uh, yeah, I went, I went four out of ten for visuals. I really, outside of those couple minor things, was really not impressed here. I thought it was, again, you need something, because you mentioned the plot is so basic and doesn't really delve heavily into some of the cool themes that they uh, introduce, you really could have used, like, a really memorable fight or yep. or, re- or something, or, like, a really emotionally charged argument or something. You don't really get that, though. It's just kind of... it's Yeah, it's a little underwhelming. So, yeah, I went, I went 4 out of 10. You compare that to the... To the and I went, I went 5 out of 10 for that one. Um, if you compare that to the late Mr. Kent, and there's not a lot of action in that. Superman fights a helicopter, and that's about... <laughs> that's... The memorable action, but you had that scene where the car explodes, and there's a great visual of the the light flashing and his car going in the water, and him having to escape the car, and yeah, and the, the suit hanging off of him, and that's that's memorable. Here, 
Superman fighting a giant claw machine, <laughs> not not really that memorable. Very true. All right, so uh, last, we're going voice acting here. Uh, Liam, I, comparing this to the last episode, not a whole lot of a difference. I went 6 out of 10 for this episode. Um, Corey Burton's good. Lex is good. Uh, you d- delve into a little bit of Mercy. Uh, tell us a little bit about our, our Mercy Graves character. So we have uh, Lisa Lettlestein pro- uh, providing her voice. She's the uh, only one who voiced her. She also voiced her in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Always cool when you get that little bit of continuity. Oh, yeah. Um, like I know it's a little jarring when, say, like Professor Hamilton appears in Justice League and he doesn't <laughs> sound anything like Professor Hamilton did in, nope. in, uh, in Superman. So always nice to have that little bit of continuity. I thought she did a good job. I mean... This is kind of the most interaction we get with Mercy and her role beyond just being, you know, why she's loyal, as we mentioned in plot. And I, th- I thought uh, uh, Lisa Elsie did a pretty good job. Did a good job there. Her probably most memorable role was probably in World's Finest, which we'll be getting to. Uh, you know, the interactions again between her and Harley, mm-hmm. and that the parallels of the of, of her and Lex's relationship with with the Joker's and Harley's. Um, Absolutely is definitely there but yeah i thought she did a good job i thought tim daly did a pretty good job again not not doing the heavy lifting here he's gets to investigate a little bit as clark and then you know kind of confront brainiac at the end of superman but uh, i did i did enjoy the interactions between clark and mercy and superman and mercy i thought those were very good and of course as we mentioned with part one uh with uh stolen memories we had clancy brown and Corey burton two of the again two of the best voice yeah. actors that have ever voice acted right um doing doing their thing so i went uh, eight out of ten for that um, yeah there's some good interaction back and forth between them um, and again the fury and sort of the the outrage of lex contrasted by the cold emotionless voice of of cory burton as brainiac is really really good yeah absolutely and the cool thing is as we talked about before we went on the air here is this is eventually retconned this episode specifically ghost in the machine is retconned into a huge plot point absolutely for justice league uh justice league unlimited rather yeah uh and their final final couple of se- or final final uh, ne- their first season right first season of justice league unlimited? yeah and then it sort and of then, continues into that that second season with the legion of doom stuff but. Yeah, it's really it's really cool that we you see this episode. There's a flashback to it eventually in Justice League Unlimited, and uh, it plays an important part. And they they retcon something that maybe doesn't make a whole lot of sense into something that ends up being pretty cool. So uh, this, of course, is not the end for Brainiac. Absolutely, um, he doesn't play a major too much of a major role going forward in the Superman animated series. But as you said. Uh, he's one of the one of the big baddies in Justice League Unlimited, so uh, we look forward to touching on back on him uh, in the in the upcoming episodes sometime Absolutely. in the near future. All right, Liam. Uh, so with that, we are just about out of time. We're going to wrap things up here. Thank you everyone for listening today. Uh, we would love to hear any feedback that you have to share with us, uh, whether it be. Uh, via twitter uh which you can tweet at liam he runs our twitter account he's the twitter guru as we say that's right that's what they call me that's what they call him and by they they we mean i call him <laughs> that so if you want to call him the twitter guru go right ahead uh tweet us at at dcau review uh liam why don't you tell the good people at home what you would love to hear from them uh as always i like to mention this it's been really fun talking with people especially if it's an episode maybe you think we were a little unfair to if there's something we missed i like talking about episodes if you agree with us if you disagree with us uh love getting to talk about any of this stuff uh again if you if you notice easter eggs that we miss 
any kind of interaction we can have at all. Just where does where does this rank on your personal list? Where does Brainiac as a whole uh, rank on your DCAU villains list? Is he near the top? Is he underutilized? Uh, is is the fact that he's not in it as much is that helpful? Does that make him seem more special? Would love to any kind of interaction like that. Love get to talk to you. We mentioned it before. It's been a very fun and welcoming being a part of this uh, community here. Yeah. So anytime you guys want to give us any feedback or talk to us, we uh, we love to hear it. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, of course, you can also find us on the Facebook. But Liam, tell the good people at home why we don't encourage them to use that means of communication. <laughs> because Facebook makes you pay. That's right, and we don't pay Facebook. We don't believe in that. That's against our. Definitely against our DCAU religion. That's right. And definitely against uh, our core beliefs, truth, justice, in the American way. We're not paying you, Facebook. So That's you're right. welcome to find us on Facebook because chances are you will have to fu- search to find us because you will not find us any other way. But <laughs> we are on there. You can like us at DCAU Review. You can always message us. We'd love to discuss things with you on there. Also, you can find us on iTunes. Please do us a favor. Uh, subscribe to us. That way you get your episodes delivered to you the second that they're posted. Uh, and we would love in, in return if you would just give us a five-star review. Give us a review. Even if it's not five stars, that's okay. But we would prefer a five-star review because that helps our podcast out. All right. So with that, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we will talk to you on the next episode. Goodbye. Goodbye.